You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline. This is our annual Futures Game edition. Um, We're going to talk about the Futures Game in depth. We'll also talk about the high school home run derby down at D.C. at All-Star Week. both those things going on Sunday, and then the high school home run derby winners or, or top two guys went on Monday night and performed as well. Let's start with the futures game though, and start with the MVP. Taylor Trammell was tremendous in this game. The home run, and then the almost home run. And I think in the rap you guys did of this, um, you actually said that. Uh, I think you called him out a little bit, Jim, for for not running it out. Should we say that he kind of put the two oh, fingers he knows, out? He'll admit that he thought it was gone. He, he'll admit, he'll admit that. <laughs> he, and the funny thing is, I talked to him for probably an hour in spring training. He's not a showboat <laughs> type no. of player in any way, and he was horrified. I mean, we were laughing <laughs> doing the broadcast. You look at his face. You know, he he you know has his head down. He thinks it's out. He flashes, you know, drops the deuces uh, at the drops deuces, as Torrey Hunter said, as he rounds first base, and he looks up and sees it go off the top of the wall. And the first thing he said to Lauren Shahadi in the dugout after he got back to the dugout and she was interviewing him was, my mom is going to kill me. So <laughs> I, I don't even think it was calling him out. He will admit, he, and, I, and I think that was an inside-the-park home run if he's running full speed out of the box because he can fly. And, and, you know, we had, in what, in the first 19 years, one guy hit two home runs in the future in a futures game. That was the first one, Alfonso Soriano, and then Yusniel Diaz did it uh, Sunday in what could turn out to be his last game as a member of the Dodgers organization if he's part of a Manny Machado trade. And Taylor Trammell very nearly became the third. But uh, he did have a great performance. Uh, but he was it, it was it was actually kind of funny to watch. I, I think he is more horrified by what happened and basking in the glow of the Futures Game MVP trophy. Well, it really ended up being, I think, the real moment of the game because it was so much fun. And then he ended up scoring from third, um, and he and his teammates gave it to him in the dugout as well. And you could tell that he was kind of embarrassed by the whole thing, but but he had a great performance. And, and you mentioned that it probably would have been an inside-the-park home run. I agree. I mean, he cruised into third, no problem at all. Um, and basically after trotting to, to first base. So great stuff by, by him. Um, you mentioned Diaz. Jonathan, I'll go to you for this. The two home runs from Yusniel Diaz, and he didn't hit the first one, I think, until the fifth inning. An impressive performance for him as well in a game where the ball was flying out of Nationals Park. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think any time you have a game like this, you want to see uh, which guys are going to sort of step up and, and, and stand out when, you know, everyone is talented. And, uh, yeah, the ball was flying out, but he had two balls extremely hard. Both were well, well over 100 miles an hour uh, exit uh, velocity-wise. And uh, I mean, it is amazing to think that in all the years of the future game, he is only the second one to, to do, as Jim pointed out, Soriano in that first, really put the, the futures game on the map back in 1999. As scary aside is that I was covering that futures game also. Um, which just means I'm old, but, uh, you know, that it hadn't happened since then uh, it, it is somewhat remarkable. And, uh, you know, that we almost had two guys. It, it was, it was extraordinary 
Uh, I think with the eight homers was more than the last five futures games combined in terms of home runs. Uh, so often in the all-star games, pitching kind of rules because guys are coming in for just an inning and they're airing it out and that sort of thing. But in this case, uh, you know, offense ruled the day. How about, I know you had Trammell as the MVP as the number one guy in your top 10 performers from the game, Jonathan. Did you have a thought on, on what you saw from him outside of the, the almost home run that ended up being a triple? No, I think, you know, it was, you could have gone either way. Uh, with Tremel and Diaz and, and ranking at one, two. And I just figured, all right, the guy who gets MVP uh, gets the nod. Um, Cause he, I mean, he, he crushed both of those balls and, and kind of liked Diaz. They, uh, they came later. Tremel didn't even start the game. And, um, you know, so I, it, it, that to me, it could have been one and one a really, because he certainly hit the ball well enough uh, uh, for it to be out in any other part of the park. That's a home run. Uh it would have been a lot of fun if he had been going full tilt out of the box just because he runs so well. Um, we, would have, you know, we saw a glimpse of, of that tool uh, when he realized he had to run, but uh, not quite to the full extent of it. So it would have been nice just to see uh, you know, him showing a little bit more of what he can do outside of the, of the power that he had. And he, he was showing that from the get-go. He had one of the, the better uh, BP sessions of anybody on the U.S. team you know, uh, right before the game. The ball was certainly flying out. Now, the first home run of the game, Jim, was a guy that I know you guys both said you were excited to see in this game, but I think he was the guy you picked out on the podcast last week. Suli Matias, 19 years old, leading the minor leagues in home runs coming into the Futures game, and he took Justice Sheffield deep, showing that even at 19, he's ready to perform against these older players. Yeah, you know, Justice Sheffield is a guy who can come at you with three different pitches, too. It wasn't, I know we'll talk about Hunter Green in a second, a guy where you're going up there sitting fastball and, you know, thinking, okay, that's what I'm going to hit. And, I mean, he hit it to the opposite field, too. You know, I thought David Ortiz during his in-game interview had a great comparison. It was It's the best comparison I've heard on Sully Matias yet. I've heard, I've heard Andre Dawson. I've heard Johannes Despedes kind of for body type. Ortiz said he thought Sully Matias reminded him of a young Sammy Sosa just with his the, the bat speed and the, the, the really aggressive approach at the plate and – and I think that's perfect. I mean, he's got that kind of power, but it, like like a young Sosa, I mean, he, he will swing at everything. I mean, he's leading the Myers and Homers. I think he's hitting about 215 also. He, he's got some strikeouts there. But, you know, I, you know, I think I told the story on the last podcast. You know, the year after they signed him, you know, it was one of the big-ticket international signings. I think it was in 15. I, I was in spring training the next year, so I'm not even sure he was 17 years old. And I was just walking on the backfield to surprise, and I just heard, you know, they talk about the guys who, who the ball makes a different sound coming off their bat. And I just heard this unusual, you know, crack of the bat. And I turned to see who it was. And I went over there when I had my roster. And it was Sully Matias was hitting the ball, like, probably 425, 450 feet as a 16- or 17-year-old. I mean, the, the bat speed on him is incredible. And he gets good leverage, too. And it was – I mean, that, that's what I thought was great about the game is, I mean, you know, it was perfect conditions. It was a hot day. It was a humid day. You had guys throwing, a lot of guys throwing 95-plus, you know, supplying some power, you know, if you could connect on it. And, and I thought it was, it's, it's nice to see, you know, the, the minor league home run leader get to show what he can do. You know, as Johnson said, I mean, there just aren't that many home runs in, in the Futures game usually. And this year we had eight. And I'm not necessarily saying I'd like to see eight every year, but it, that, that was probably the most fun Futures game I've ever seen just from a, in terms of what you saw in the field. And I think the players had a really good time too. 
Yeah, and it was competitive, too, back and forth a little bit. And, Jonathan, that's something we haven't necessarily seen uh, in recent years where the U.S. team tends to dominate year after year. But this game was in doubt for much of the way. The U.S. finally pulled away late, and then the the late guys they pulled in out of the bullpen really did a nice job um, pitching. But for a while, this game looked like it could have gone either way. Yeah, no, and, and that did add to it. Uh, and and it, made, it made a much more sort of engaging game, even though, at the end of the day, no one, you know, cares who, who wins from a watching the game standpoint. It was clear that as good a time as everyone's having, uh, you know, they these guys compete, you know, and they they don't know how to turn that off necessarily. You know, they're not going to lose any sleep over losing, but you could you could see how they were competing. There were you know fist bumps on uh, pump, fist pumping on home runs and. Buddy Reed made that uh, really nice catch uh, later in the game in, in center, and uh, he was going nuts uh, about it. He's a high-energy personality kind of guy anyway. Uh, you know, So the fact that it was that close of a game, every time the ball flew out of the yard, it, it meant you know tying the game or lead switches and, and, and things like that. So, that, yeah, it definitely made it uh, a much more exciting affair overall for me. I'm not going to talk about every single home run, but there was one more that I wanted to to mention here before we get into a little bit of the pitching, and that is uh, Peter Alonso, the Mets prospect, and he's had such a great year, such a great first half, the one Mets guy that's in the top 100 prospects, and he basically broke StatCast during this game. He did something that had never been done as far as launch angle and exit velocity. I think it was over 113 miles an hour and a 46-degree launch angle, basically a moonshot is what that equates to. Um, Was that the most impressive home run, Jim, of the eight that were hit? Um, I wouldn't say that. I'd say it was okay. most unusual, and it was funny. I actually ran into an agent while I had a nice three-hour delay at the airport yesterday. And we were talking about the, 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 the hang time on that was incredible because he hit it, and you're like, where'd it go? Like, well, why is that ball not coming down? I, I thought the most impressive home run was Luis Alexander Basabe, who, you know, until the Futures game was probably best known as being the third-best prospect in the Chris Sale trade uh, of the guys the Red Sox into the White Sox. I thought his homer off a 102-mile-an-hour fastball from Hunter Green, I thought that was the most impressive one. And, you know, not only that you – and it wasn't that bad a pitch. It was down. He went down and got it and just crushed it. Um, I thought that, for me, was the most impressive home run. What did you think, Jonathan? What did you think? I mean, yeah, we, no, we I, have eight to pick prob- from. Yeah, I would probably vote for, for Basavi just because of the velocity he was hitting against and he sent it back out. I think it was almost 105. That said, I mean – what Alonzo did, um, just in terms of like that never being done before, uh, the, the velocity combined with the with the angle uh, was impressive. I mean, you know, it took me a while to sort of understand the context of it uh, because when he hit it, I was like, oh, well, that was a moonshot. And I actually kind of had expected to find out that the exit velocity wasn't as high as a result, and it was the hardest hit ball of the day, and yet still had that trajectory, which is which is something I'm sure it's only going to add to the the clamor in New York for the Mets to bring him up. Yeah, meanwhile, I don't think there's any real rush for the Mets to pull him up, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do later in the year. All right, that transitions us nicely into Hunter Green, um, who, you know, one year removed from being drafted. It seems early to have this guy in the Futures game, but the way he throws, there was plenty of excitement around it, and, and he 
he did not disappoint as far as velocity goes. He threw 19 fastballs. They were all over 100 miles an hour, some of them up to 102 miles an hour. Obviously, the one got turned around on him for the home run. But overall, uh, Jonathan, what was your impression looking at what he did this week in one inning, obviously, at the Futures game, and you saw him live making a start way back in the cold weather of Ohio back in April? Right, and he was really good back in April, then he struggled a lot for a long time, and at the point where I was like, well, maybe he's not going to come to the Futures game, maybe the Reds will want to pump the brakes, uh, but then he really started throwing well, and uh, it, it made sense. And why did it make sense? We saw why. Because we all knew that this is what we were going to, to see, uh, and it created a buzz immediately because the first, you know, however many pitchers he threw were all fastball and they were all over 100 miles an hour. He topped that at 103.1. And he, his command was, you know, a little bit off, but he was coming in and he was amped up, not used to pitching out of, you know, out of the bullpen. He was doing this from the stretch. Um, I, I think, you know, given the, a little extra time to think about it, he knew exactly what this game was and what people wanted to see. And so he was going to challenge guys with his fastball. And yeah, Basabi beat him on that pitch. As Jim said, it wasn't even a bad pitch. Um, but, you know, he, he wasn't trying to work on setting up hitters like he's been working on. He wasn't trying to mix in a changeup uh, because he knows he's going to need that pitch to, to remain a starter. He knew that when he came into this game, he was going to come in, and for however long he had the ball, he was going to throw as hard as he could um, for as long as he could. The amazing thing about it is that there, there's little to no effort. Um, you know, we've described it as you know, the, the easy gas, and that's why he was such a high draft prospect. It was just so much fun. Like, I don't care that his command was a little bit off and he gave up a home run. I mean, I, I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. 19 pitches 100 miles, over 100 miles an hour. I mean, who else would have done, could have do something like that? Maybe a Robles Chapman? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. So, it, it, it Maybe Ray Black, of, if he'd been in the game, he would have been the only other guy I can think of. Right, right, and with, and with, right, and I, I don't even know if he would necessarily, you know, Hunter Green's command was a little bit off, but he was in and around the strike zone. It's not like he was all over the place. So, and, and he's been throwing strikes this year. Uh, so it was that was that was a lot of fun, even if he did get dinged up a little bit. So, Jim, does that mean Red fans start to think, okay, how quickly could that this guy get to Cincinnati now? Um. I would pump the brakes on that a little bit if I were a Reds fan for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, we talked about this in the past. He's never thrown a lot of innings. And, and I don't imagine the Reds are going to let him throw more than, say, 80 innings or so this year. He pitched about 30 last year. So I think this isn't a guy that, you know, that, that's equipped to come out and throw 120 innings in his first year of pro ball and, and then go from there. I think you're going to have to take you know, probably a, a couple-year period before you build him up to where he'd handle a full major league season. And and I agree with what Jonathan was saying. I mean, I think he was trying to give the fans what they want. But I think it also showed, I mean, you can't survive on, on fastball alone. I mean, I, there was one pitch on the scoreboard. I don't know what Statcast had it at at 103. You know, he walked a guy. He hit a guy. He left the ball up to Tatis. And Tatis whacked for a single. Um, you, know, you know, the fastball, very impressive. But he's going to need, you know, I, I was talking to scouts who were impressed by the velocity. But he's going to need a little life on that because when you're throwing 100, it's pretty straight, and, you know, good hitters are going to hit 100 if it's straight. And, you know, I think the key for him is it's, it's, how fast he moves, besides, you know, building his arm up to take the, the full, you know, season of innings, it is going to really depend on, on how well he comes with, with the, the secondary pitches, especially, 
the the slider. You know, he, he didn't have great feel to spin a curveball. You know, he's going with the slider, and I think he's going to need that slider to keep guys off his fastball as hard as it is. I mean, it, you know, again, I mean, you, you can't read too much into this because I think he was, for the most part, going to show people his fastball. But the other guys on the other team knew that too. And, you know, I think he faced, I want to say, seven batters and four got on base. I mean, I don't think I don't think Luis Arias really relished getting hit by a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, but, you know, he's got some things to work on too. I mean, it is the easiest 100 miles an hour you'll ever see. But I don't think it's a case where, you know, like Josh Beckett coming out of high school, you know, was in the big leagues in the middle of his second, second full season. I don't think we're going to see that with Hunter Green. So, uh, Jonathan, back to you as far as other pitchers in this game go, because some of them obviously struggled as far as giving up the home runs, but who stood out the most to you otherwise? Other than the velocity from Green, um, you have Keller, who was really good. Wright made short work coming in in a tough spot. I mean, who stood out the most to you from those other guys? Yeah, I mean, those would probably be the two guys that come to mind first for, for different reasons. I mean, Keller got the start, and you know, he had not been pitching well of late. He got promoted uh, to AAA, uh, and his two starts in AAA weren't good. Then they, you know, they had uh, their all-star break, and then they knew they had the future game, so he went down and pitched in Bradenton and didn't pitch well there. Now he was just getting some work in. Um, so this was just one inning, but he came in uh, and, and, you know, showed why people are so excited about him. He showed off three of his pitches, actually, and touched 99, which you know, I didn't even know he had in him. That was uh, uh you know, he was a little amped up, but found the strikes on perfect inning uh, through through really really well. And then, you know, one of the things I think, uh, you know, that scouts look for in in you know, not only not just like the results, but how uh, a prospect handles a situation like this. Most of them have never pitched in front of forty thousand people in a big league stadium. Um, so you know, Kyle Wright threw. I think he threw six pitches or five pitches. Uh, all but one were strikes, and he came in with runners at first and third and nobody out and got out of it. And he was just, not surprisingly, because his demeanor is one of the of the things that people uh, talk a lot about. He came in cool as a cucumber, and you know, even though he never really pitched out of the bullpen before, and uh, came in and retired and didn't allow a run scored. And you know, at that point, the, the U.S. team had built up a three-run lead, and he, he the, the world team sort of chip away at it at all. And that, that was, even though it was a short amount of pitches and it's not like he was lighting up the radar gun, it's just how, how calm and unfazed he was by the situation really impressed me. Jim, the other starter was Jesus Luzardo. Uh, he also made Jonathan's top 10 performances. What did you think of him? He gave up a run on the home run, but overall, did you like what you saw from Luzardo? Yeah, I did. I, I think it's actually a single. He gave up an RBI single. He gave yeah, the right, ball right. in the park. Gave up a run, yep. You know, what I liked about him was he showed you three pitches, too. You know, like, like you know, he showed you the fastball. I think he was up to 97, if I remember right. Um, you know, he had a pretty good break. Ball, you know, good delivery. What I liked about him was, you know, it, it didn't look like, like, like Jonathan was talking about Kyle Wright. He, he, you know, he just went out there and did what he does. He did, you know, Kyle Wright didn't try to overthrow, and, and it was impressive. And some scouts I talked to were impressed with, too, with Luzardo. You know, he's getting the start. I mean, this was a team that drafted him, the Nationals were hometown ballpark um, that traded him last summer. And he didn't come back in like he had anything to prove or he was amped up or anything like that. I think Justice Sheffield was a little amped up and his command was a little off um, to what it usually is. But, you know, the lefties in the game, I I thought Lizardo was the most impressive, uh, just showing you three pitches. 
And, you know, I talked to, he was another guy I talked to in spring training. was very impressed by his maturity. He's only 20. He missed time after having Tommy John surgery after he got drafted, or right before he got drafted. And so, I mean, for 20 in double A, when you've missed basically a year, it's pretty impressive. And uh, he just, I, I don't think anything phases this kid at all. So the U.S. wins again, but it was a good game, definitely a memorable Futures game. The 20th annual Futures game, the U.S. has now won 13 of 20 and 8 of the last 9, so that kind of dominance continues. All right, before that, on Sunday morning, they had the High School Home Run Derby, which has become a cool event um, at All-Star. For those of us that that look forward to the draft and, and the high school players that are going to be coming up through the draft, Jonathan, you and I both said that our favorite for this thing was Reese Hines, and he didn't disappoint, for sure, 25 home runs, but he did not win it because the guy that was supposedly not a home run hitter, Bobby Witt Jr., came through with 26, and then eight more on Monday night to Hines' is seven. Um, were you shocked to see Bobby Witt Jr., who's, if you look at him, he's a thin guy, he's a shortstop. Obviously, he's been using a wood bat for, for much of the summer. He got to use the aluminum again. But were you shocked by how many home runs he was able to hit on Sunday morning? And the short answer is yes, obviously. <laughs> um, but, you know, the longer answer is I'm not as surprised that he was, you know, uh, in, in the mix. Uh, you know, I would never have picked him to win it. Uh, Power is a tool that he, he does have. I wouldn't think of him as a power hitter, while Reese Hines is a guy power is, is probably his best tool. Um, but the you know he's such a competitor, and he just he loves to be out there. You could you could see if you're watching him, even watching the other guys, and actually all of the all, all eight of them were really into supporting each other, which I thought was great. But uh, so that part of it, like I knew that he was going to. Uh, have a good showing because he, he's never going to go out there and embarrass himself. Um, that he won it? Uh, no, I, I no concept. And he was he was ridiculous in both rounds, which is why he uh, you know he, he won the whole thing on, on Sunday. Uh, and then Hines did what was sort of expected, and he had a weight. You know, he I think he hit last, so uh, the whole time you know he had to wait in the first round to see. Maybe that was good. He could sort of see what the, the field looked like. But uh, maybe and maybe there was an inkling that the ball was going to fly out during the Futures game because I've never seen that many homers in the high school home derby. Yeah, we're usually looking at maybe 10 or 11 at best the last couple of years when we've been down there for Jonathan to see 26 and 25 was impressive. And while Bobby Wood Jr. took the day as far as the most, uh, Hines hit 485, I think. Jim, that's an epic blast even with an aluminum bat. Yeah, he hit. At least to have a half dozen balls up on the, the left field concourse. Um, I thought one of his more impressive ones where he got his timing off a little bit and he got out on his front foot and he basically crushed the ball halfway up the left field stands uh, one-handed, um, you know, pretty much because where he was in his swing. Um, you know, and I think the kind of the nice thing for him too was, you know, his power is no secret to the point where they were going to have him in Miami last year at, at the Home Run Derby a year ago, even though he was only a rising junior at that point and he had an ankle injury. And so he wasn't able to participate. And he said afterward, you know, that was disappointing. He was really looking forward to kind of going out and, and showing what he could do against the big guys like you know, Tristan Casas and Nolan Gorman. And I think there were four guys who wound up being first-round picks in this year's draft. And he wasn't able to. So he was, he was really excited about getting the opportunity to do it this year and, and, and show it well. Yeah, so good job by those guys, both of them very much um... – 
while Bobby Wood Jr. still considered the number one guy as far as next year's draft, but Hines too, and they're both part of that 18U program as well and likely part of that team that's going to be playing uh, this fall or I guess winter this year at the Pan Am game. So good stuff from them and the Futures game. It was a great Futures game. That's going to do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.